Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And we're into extra time. Hello there and welcome to Extra Time. I'm Clay Wilson. The Silver Ferns are playing for pride as they try and avoid a series whitewash in the Constellation Cup netball series against Australia. New Zealand have lost all three tests. Wednesday night's 12-goal loss in Adelaide assuring the Diamonds would win the title for the fifth year in a row. The former Silver Ferns coach Yvonne Willering told Stephen Hewson the side seems to have lost its way. At the moment they're trying to play safe netball and by doing that they've got no ball speed and you can see that that's what's happening. No one wants to make a mistake but by doing that you're losing your team cohesion on that. But you know in that last quarter New Zealand made I believe far too many subs. You know we've got I just didn't understand the reasoning for it because Graham going to wing defence she I doubt that she'll be playing much at wing defence uh, you know going into the Commonwealth Games and same with Fakahakatau really hasn't had court time as a goal defence and you know Against a team like Australia, I'm not quite sure what you know what the reasoning for that was. And Fakahakata was playing really well at goalkeeper. Why would you move her from that slot? So yeah, if it's just a question of getting players out on court, no, I don't buy that because you know they still had opportunities. And really, we don't want that bigger score differential in the game. So what do you feel or think when when you see a coach operating like that? Is that the sign of a coach struggling to to find answers? Um, at times, yeah, and because, you know, obviously they've got game plans and then um, and we don't know what the, exactly what they are, but they're obviously not being executed. So, you know, at the end, uh, I guess frustration comes into it. Like, I mean, you know, that, fourth, that third quarter was a tremendous climb back. You know, the expectation then is for it to continue. But you've also got to be fair that whilst New Zealand, you know, the Ferns had a great fight back in that third quarter, Australia will look at that third quarter and say, we played badly, we were leading by... 30 to 19 and I guess we you know we got into a bit of a comfort zone so you know whilst one team's performing it's also about another team not quite being up to the mark but if you listen to the Australian commentators and I hope that the Ferns actually when they watch the game they do listen to them because at one stage they were saying things like you know New Zealand had managed to make 13 turnovers so defensively they got 13 turnovers and yet they only capitalised on four of those you know and that's just not not good enough. I would have thought that, I mean, while the Constellation Cup is obviously not the end goal, it's the Commonwealth Games here, but putting yourself in the position where, where now they, they face the, the likelihood, or quite possibly, losing the series 4-0, that's got to have a huge impact on, on confidence, doesn't it, when, when you look ahead to something like the Gold Coast? Yeah, I mean, I know that we're saying, you know, we're looking ahead to the Commonwealth Games. No, I think that it really needs to be a step at a time. I think the present, uh, every time the Ferns take the court, when it's a national team, the expectation is that, you know, we're, we're going in there for a win, not just to develop players, you know. So, yeah, I don't quite buy that. Australia, yep, they've also said exactly the same. But the thing with them is when they make the subs, it's very much tactical. 
Twait coming on certainly made made a difference. She's a slightly different player to Bassett. Bassett wasn't shooting um, the the desired amount of goals, and that's where Twait then came on for you know. And same when Maloney came on, you know, they didn't lose anything. So again, when we make our substitutions, it's not going to be just to develop players. Surely it is supposed to be just to add that little bit extra to that team performance. Is the big puzzlement for you, as you mentioned there, that third quarter comeback, and then to make those changes in the fourth quarter when, when they'd sort of got themselves back in the game. Is that the most perplexing thing for you out of that test? Yeah, but the thing was, uh, in that third quarter, they were pegging it back, uh, you know, and they were only four goals behind. But then you could see it was slipping again, you know. So rather than those players taking that responsibility, I guess it, they decided that uh, you can't leave it too late. They left it too late going from the first to the second quarter, making the right sub. Um, and certainly I would have thought that Fakahakatao, for one, should have started the game. Um, you know, she's performed well, and, you know, I thought she deserved a starting position. So it's going to be interesting to see what the starting lineup is. And I, again, I've always said in the past, the team that makes a, a huge number of t- uh, changes is normally the, normally the team that's trying to catch up, that's trying to come up with answers. It would seem, Janice, that the South Beast still doesn't know what her ideal starting lineup is. No, exactly, uh, and I think that's right because none of the lineups that have gone on have had any shown any consistency from one quarter to the next, and I think that's also you know, made it uh, difficult. She's reluctant to take two Tyre off, but sometimes I question whether they rely too much on her, and that's where individuals uh, don't take on the responsibility for themselves. Um, when Mears and Selby Ricketts are on together, they know they have to nail it because they haven't got the reliance of the long shot from two Tyre. So you know sometimes. You've got a question, you know, is it is it right just to leave a player on off to get that team unity? Um, same with Francois. I think she played a better wing attack game than a centre game at the moment. Um, and again, probably more the defence work than the attacking work. And Sinclair showed glimpses uh, of hope for us uh, in the centre position in particular. Katrina Grant, uh, how, how's she going form-wise? Um, yeah, probably, probably not getting the intercepts that she's used to getting. But again, the ball is coming down at one heck of a speed, you know, leading into that circle. So you can't play that style. I think they've got to make a decision. Do they do one-on-one or do the front people do one-on-one and the back people look for intercepts? But they can't just do total space marking because the Australians will just play right through that because that ball speed will beat them. So, yeah, um, you know, she, she won't be happy with her game. Uh, but then no one... Uh, is that way and you could say well she's captain yes but you know at the end of the day everyone is responsible for their own performance out on court a 4-0 series whitewash compared to possibly pulling one back at 3-1 and finishing the series up with a win I suppose there's a sense of desperation I would have thought going into this fourth match for the Silver Ferns Yes, there is. And, you know, they've got to regain confidence, you know, and, and they've, there's a situation where, you know, they've spoken about everything that they, they do, they're supposed to do, but they, at, whilst they do it at times, they haven't done it consistently in the three tests. So, yeah, they've got it. They're going to have that urgency, but I just hope that they just stay focused on performance rather than the score. And really, I think that, um, that I think both teams actually are quite score focused. Um, like Australia had a strong lead and then let it slip. Uh, but, you know, 
give New Zealand a bit of credit, they did peg it back. Um, but I would like to see them go into this last test, not worrying about the result because, yeah, like like you said, the Constellation Cup's gone, but they need to get some credibility back and pride in themselves as well. And I guess the belief going forward from here, and they can achieve that just by everyone taking responsibility for their performance. You know, no drop balls and just you know doing what they know they can do. they just got to do it consistently. Former Silver Ferns coach Yvonne Willering talking to Stephen Hewson there. The All-White's opponent for a place at next year's World Cup was revealed this week, with Peru finishing fifth in qualifying for the South American Confederation. More than 100 world-ranking spots separate the two teams, but the matchup is arguably better for the All-Whites than a clash with powerhouse sides Argentina, Colombia or Chile, which had been in prospect. All-Whites fans keenly followed a dramatic final day of South American matches, and I asked New Zealand football boss Andy Martin what the mood was like at head office. We were resigned to the fact that whoever we got was going to be a very top team. So, you know, we were sort of, you know, watching with interest all of the, the movements. We were actually in a board meeting yesterday when it was taking place. So really, we just wanted the certainty about the opponents and obviously the date to come. And uh, so pleased with the fact it's done. Um, you know, pleased in a lot of ways, uh, commercially and from a showcase point of view, Argentina was what everybody wanted. But, you know, what I keep reminding everybody today is that the most important thing about this is that we win the game and we get through to the World Cup. I imagine, given you've known for some weeks now that the All-Whites are going to be in the game, that there was a bit of planning already you could have done in terms of how things were going to work with this with this playoff. Yeah, lots and lots have gone on before, so we've done as much as we could pending the opponents and pending the date. So we've actually been speaking to a number of the potential opponents at the team management level for the last week. You know, we talk about it extensively every window for us to bring players back into New Zealand. The window starts on a Sunday, but we don't really start here until Monday, Tuesday by getting the players back. So we've been expressing to our opponents this, how important this is for them to consider because they're in the same boat now. You know, their players will finish Sunday night in Europe. South America, they've then got to get to us, so the window's shorter. I imagine, given it's not that far away in, in practical terms, that you've been in contact with the Peruvian National Association already about um, how things are going to work out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were in contact with them last night. We've been in contact with them this morning. And um, so really how this works is obviously we put a proposal to say what we'd like, they make their comments, and they'll go to FIFA and we'll both go to FIFA. And if we both say the same thing, Hopefully FIFA will agree. If they don't, then then FIFA sort of decides. I know, obviously, Anthony has said that Saturday is his preference in terms of preparing the team. Yeah. Is there a certain element here of, I guess, you're trying to get the best possible advantage, especially given you've got the first leg, so you can potentially get an upper, upper hand going into that second game, going away? Uh, I guess a couple of points, really, though. Obviously, you know, we want the best for our team to be prepared. So, of course, the Saturday is why we want Saturday. But I think that's exactly the same for the other side in this regard. So I think we've probably both got the same uh, concerns, issues and desires. Um, But your latter point is true. You know, ultimately, what we've got to understand is this is not about an extravaganza of football. This is about a team called Peru coming to New Zealand to stop us from going to the World Cup, to stop us winning $10 million. And and ultimately, that has a major impact on football in New Zealand over over the next five years. So we need to do everything possible on and off the field to make it as difficult for them to come into our manner and, and take that away from us. So what we need to, or what I've been appealing to everybody today is to say, start thinking about the consequences here. How do we make it difficult? Because when we go to South America, we all know, we all joke about the fact that, you know, the, the noise levels outside the hotel, the disruptions, the uncomfortableness, the hostility, it's all going to happen. We know it's coming. So what is New Zealand, what are we collectively going to do 
to help Anthony win on the field. And, and that's the key theme right now. Um, let's make it a very difficult experience for them because we're used to doing this. Our boys are used to flying on a Sunday night and playing on, on a Thursday, Friday. But you can guarantee Peru won't be. New Zealand Football Chief Executive Andy Martin. No All Blacks will play for the New Zealand Men's Sevens team at next year's Commonwealth Games. The National Men's Sevens squad for the 2017-18 season is having its first training camp with new coach Clark Laidlaw in Mount Maunganui this week. It's the official start of a newly centralised Sevens programme based in Tauranga. All contracted All Black Sevens players are now required to live near their base in the Bay of Plenty. The international season kicks off at the Oceania Sevens in Fiji next month, before the opening rounds of the World Series in Dubai and Cape Town in December. The All Blacks are off limits to Laidlaw for the Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast in April, but he told Joe Porter he does have a list of super rugby players he can call upon if required. Yeah, well, we've got a long list that includes, um, from an administration purpose with, with the Commonwealth Games, you have to have players on a long list. So there is super rugby players within that group, um, but we've got to make sure, you know, or we've got to work out if the players we've got between now and sort of January are good enough or we think they're good enough to, to go and win the Com Games, or if we think a super rugby player that we've got on the list can actually add or improve our team. So, um, again, we just need to make sure the players we've already got, we give them an opportunity to become really good. Yeah, and I mean, how late would you leave it before you called a Super Rugby player in to prep for the Con Games? You'd have, you'd want them under your guys for a little while. Yeah, well, we've got we've got an agreement with the Super Rugby teams around what that looks like, and it's a month leading at the Con Games. So if any player comes in, they'll play potentially in in the two tournaments in Sydney and Hamilton, and then if we think they're good enough after playing in Sydney and Hamilton, then they're up for selection to come in for a month leading at the Con Games. Okay, and you think that gives you enough time to get them uh, sevens ready to take on the the likes of the might of Fiji? Yeah, well, we'll soon find out, won't we? um, (laughs) That's what we've got to try and work out over the next couple of months. Is is a player coming in for a month going to be better than the players we've got between now and then? So, again, there's a bit to get through over the next two or three months before we actually need to make any of those decisions. Certainly going to be pretty busy. And um, I guess, you know, the Oceania tournament gives you an early opportunity to gauge where your team's at against the likes of Fiji? Yeah, well, that's right. You know, all these teams are uh, going to be, you know, quite well established, the teams we play against there. So we're expecting a pretty tough weekend. Um, we've also got a team going up to San Jose the weekend before, which is quite an exciting addition to the programme. The development team is going to San Jose the week before. So getting through those two weeks will give us a real indication around the players we've already got. We've got a development team, so we'll get a look at another group of players. Um, so that's quite an important part of the year leading towards uh, Dubai and Cape Town. Have you come up with any targets or goals? Have you set yourself in the team this year so far? No, we've not talked about um, specific targets or goals. Um, we've certainly talked a lot about how we want to operate and how we want to prepare as a team, um, both on and off the field. So really, we've spent the last couple of months really looking hard at our identity and some of our vision and, and values around how we want to to look and how we want to prepare and how we want to be seen as a team. And now we're, you know, we've started the rugby. Um, which is exciting. You know, we're now back on the field for the first time in the last couple of weeks. So the, the goals are really to, to prepare the team well, to to work hard. Um, and I think once we get closer, we'll get through a few warm-up tournaments or even the first couple of tournaments. That'll give us a real indication around where we're actually at on the field. After what was a fairly disappointing Olympic campaign and World Series last year, what do you think needs to happen for the New Zealand side to get back to the top of the game? Well, I think we need to really, you know, really understand what we're trying to do as a group on the field. So, get some real clarity to our game. Um, we, we need to, you touched on there, we, we need to get good players here. We need to work hard 
to get our recruitment right so we have good players that we can make better. Um, and probably the last part is the consistency. So I think last year we all seen on, on on a given day we played well and we you know we beat all the teams last year, all the top teams. Um, but we couldn't do it consistently and we couldn't do it when it really mattered in a semi-final. So I think that consistency along with how we're training and, and, and hopefully the recruitment can can at least push us back into that, you know, into winning a few tournaments and trying to get that consistency to, to challenge for, for the big tournaments when it really matters. That was Clark Laidlaw speaking to Joe Porter. Planning for the 36 Americas Cup is well underway, and Team New Zealand's technical head Dan Bernasconi says they are exploring all monohull design options. As cup holders, Team New Zealand can set design rules and have decided against continuing with the catamarans that were used in this year's event in Bermuda, hoping a simpler design will attract more entries. Bernasconi told 9 to Noon's Catherine Ryan they're working on concept designs for their next boat and says the 75-foot boat is far from being finalised. I can tell you everything I know um, because because we haven't come to a final decision. We, we've said it is going to be a monohull, the, the new class, but we are looking at pretty much the complete spectrum of what you could imagine in monoholes. And we've got sort of concepts at one end, which is a fairly conventional but, but high-performance monohull, um, through to semi-foiling monohulls, and then also looking at the, the other end of the spectrum of is it possible to get a, a sort of a, a really big yacht uh, fully foiling I mean the sailors sailors who are listening will know about foiling moths which are single-handed fully foiling boats which are a great boat but on those you use a lot of your body weight to to balance and that's something which is really difficult to scale up. If you look at the success of yourself and the design team uh, specifically in the design of those foiling boats what would you say were the essential elements of your success? Was it the imagination? Was it the simulation? What What was the big game changer? Yeah, I, I think it was both of those. Um, at the beginning of the campaign, as you said, we were really struggling for funding. Um, and we had quite a small team, but we knew that to take on Oracle, um, we'd have to be pretty bold in the design. And there's some advantages in being in a small team. Um, it's it's easier to come up with um, sort of more radical ideas um, just in a, a sort of more open environment. So I think I think that helped a lot. Um, and then yeah, using simulations again when we were struggling to actually build real test boats and put them on the water, um, we put our efforts into simulation tools, which enabled us to develop uh, concepts more quickly and get those tested than I think we would have done if if we'd have been um, putting all our efforts into boats on the water. There was a lovely description I've seen of the winning boat, and I don't know whether you agree or disagree, was basically a catamaran with an aircraft wing for a sail balancing on top of two big canoes on top of two or four surfboards. Um, (laughs) Is that... Sometimes where it begins, beginning with known concepts or, or, or known pieces of engineering and then wondering what you could do if you put them together or adapted them somehow. Yeah, I mean, engineering is all about um, building on on technology. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the, the aerofoils or the hydrofoils that, we're, that the boat is sailing on, um, now hydrofoils have, exist, have existed for decades and they've been known to make boats fast. Uh, I guess what's, what's been the challenge in the last two campaigns is making it stable and something that can 
you can sail accurately uh, through waves and through through gusts of breeze rather than something that's powered by by an engine, which is how most hydrofoil boats have developed. But yeah, very much it's it's about using sort of solid understanding of the physics and engineering principles. You began, I think, with pure mathematics and then switched to engineering. What just wanting to put it into practical. Um, uh, put it into practical use, I guess. What what would you say have been the really solid building blocks of your career? Things you got right or things you got wrong? Yeah, um, yeah. I started started doing maths at university, but kind of realised it was so abstract that I, I wanted to do something a bit more more grounded. Um, so, yeah, I th- I think um, what's been massively useful to me is although I'm not not a software programmer. Um, as a profession, uh, it is becoming increasingly important uh, for engineers to have strong programming skills, so that all of the concepts that you you develop and the physics the physics understanding you have is something that you can develop into simulations. So I, I think that's uh, been a, a big help to me. Nine to noon's Catherine Ryan speaking to Team New Zealand design boss Dan Bernasconi there. The New Zealand Breakers started their new Australian basketball season with a whisper rather than the roar they were hoping for in their opening round loss to the Keynes Taipans last weekend. Usually known for their scoring capabilities, the Breakers' offence was their own worst enemy in the opening match and they will now try and flip the tables on the Sydney Kings in Auckland tonight. One player who the Breakers will rely heavily on to spur that attack is shooting guard Kirk Penny. Penny came down with a stomach virus before the game but played through it. The virus clearly affected the 36-year-old as he managed just 7 points and 1 assist. But he's recovered in time for tonight's match. Breakers coach Paul Hennaday told media with Penny healthy again, they've managed to get themselves back on track. We had it all there going into the game. I just didn't think we, um, uh, our, the end of our execution was, was great, you know, whether it be you know, a sloppy turnover or not converting plays. So you know, we're, we got ourselves in a position to, to put points on the board, but we didn't capitalise. And, um, and so after the review, it wasn't about... You know, hey, we don't we don't have enough in our arsenal to put points on the board. It's more just focusing on, hey, look, we did get good looks. We've got to knock those down, and guys put in work every single day. It's about you know staying uh, true to, to who they are as individuals and believing in, in the shots that we are getting and the opportunities that we're creating. We just got to convert. And uh, Sydney, they've obviously come off a first round loss as well. What sort of are you expecting from them? Oh, same from same from us, I guess. You know, no one likes losing, and, and you want to bounce back and get a win. And um, for us, well, for both teams, you know, losing one on your home floor, you, you really need to bounce back and, and have a good performance um, in the next one. So um, I expect they'll be really fired up for this one. How imperative is it to have um, Kirk Penny firing on all cylinders in this game? Yeah. Uh, it's important, but not not be all and end all. You know, um, you know, it's a long season, and guys are going to have good moments and, and not so good moments. But I just thought we uh, just across the board, you know, we had uh, you know several guys that sort of played below their own expectations, and um, you know, I know Kirk will want to bounce back, but, but several guys will want to bounce back from from that one against Kings. Breakers coach Paul Hennady, and that brings us to the end of extra time for another week. Remember, if you wish to contact us, you can email us at sport at radionz.co.nz. But on behalf of the Extra Time team, I'm Clay Wilson. Bye for now. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? 
Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.